What's up, everyone? Sean Stewart here with the After Venture Podcast, Season 2, Episode 7, with a special guest, Jamil Curry, ultra runner, entrepreneur. Very excited that I got to sit down and hang out and chat with Jamil. He is, I mean, he's amazing. He runs 50 milers, 100 milers. He has a 200-mile race on the calendar. He's also participated in the Barkley Marathon. If you do not know what the Barkley Marathon is, check out the Netflix documentary. It's crazy. Jamil and I sit down and we talk about being an athlete and being a business owner and the difficulties of doing both. We also break down his business. He actually owns and runs a a trail running event management company or race event management company. So he talks about uh, the struggles and the things they do in their company and how they've built and grown tremendously um, over the last few years. So it's exciting to hear his business just growing and being prosperous. Also, we talk about Jamil as a runner and as an athlete and his new adventure with Solomon um, running shoes and apparel. And then, like I said, I break down that Barkley Marathon and what he's done with that. It's pretty nuts. So, hey, check it out. Listen to it. Share it with your friends on social media. And don't forget, go on your iTunes app or go on whatever you're listening to this and give us a five-star ranking. I'd really greatly appreciate that. And last but not least, share it. Share it on your social media. It's awesome. Check out Jamil. He's an amazing athlete, amazing business owner. And here we go. Hey, what's up, everyone? Sean Stewart with the After Venture Podcast. I'm so excited right now with Jamil Curry, ultra runner, mega beast on two feet. Um, just got done doing the Barkley Marathon just a while ago, which is a, a task within itself we're going to break down. What's going on, Jamil? Thank you for being on the After Venture Podcast. Hey, thanks so much for having me. So, Jamil, let's sort of break it down. Let's, uh, let's start back in the beginning. How... Did you realize like, hey, I'm going to run 100 miles and it's going to be fun? How did you get into ultra running? Um, I ran in high school, so I did track and cross country. Wasn't really good enough to do it in college, but stayed active. Mountain biking, did a triathlon, which I've only done one, so that didn't stick very well. Um, then I, got, I fell into the local trail scene and I saw a guy wearing a shirt that said 24 hours, 48 hours, 72 hours on the sleeve. And I thought that sounds interesting. And uh, I went and took a look at it. So I don't know, just kind of fell into it. And um, uh, the first hundred miler I got interested in was the Hard Rock 100. Okay. I saw some photos of the 2006 race and I was just hooked. I knew that was the race I wanted to do. And I picked my first hundred because it was a qualifier for the hard rock. Oh, wow. So did you sort of build up with that and start with like after you graduated uh, high school and, and you went to college, didn't run in college, you said, but did you like start with like half marathons, marathons, or did you just dive in and be like, I'm doing a 50K or I'm doing a 100K or whatever? I mean, I did, I think I did one half marathon uh, and then I did a one marathon, but it was a, it was a really hilly dirt road marathon. So not your typical flat city type marathon. Um, I didn't even really count it as a marathon because it was more <laughs> like a, a mountain run. But um, nice. yeah, and then from there, I I entered my first ultra, which was a 12 hour night run. And it, okay. was around, it was a fixed time event. So it was around a 500 meter dirt loop. It was totally flat and didn't really know what to expect going into it. And I ended up with 55 miles by the end of the 12 hours. Wow. That's crazy. Well, so when you're, when you're going through that process and you, and you did that very first race, 
were you just hooked right after that? And were you just like addicted to running from there? Yeah. And I was probably already hooked before that. Uh, like I already knew I wanted to do the long distance. Um, and it, I just kept doing it ever since. Awesome. And then from there, did you just start building and start going bigger races, longer races, races with cash prizes? How did that sort of streamline into there? So the 12 hour run I did was a, it was like an, a free organized training run for a 24 hour that I had signed up for. Oh, okay. So I was hoping to do a hundred miles in 24 hours that December and this 12 hour was in September. So, and it was on the same loop. So I kind of, I guess my goal was to do the hundred miles in the 24. Um, but I ended up blowing up like crazy bad. I only got 67 miles in the 24 hours. So I kind of had, oh, wow. I only did 12 more miles in 12 extra hours. So it was kind of a pretty big failure, I guess, but I had to go back to the drawing board and I kind of took a bit of a step back after that experience. And I just started running some, you know, some more 50 milers to get some more experience. And I just ran local stuff. So I pretty much just hit up any local race that I could find that was ultra distance. You know, I was in college at the time, so it's not like I had a lot of money to <laughs> with. So I just did, I did whatever I could that was local. Nice. Now, uh, where'd you go to college at? I went to Arizona State University. I grew oh. up in Phoenix, Arizona. So. Okay. So grew up in Phoenix, went to Arizona State. And so there's tons of trails all over the place in the state of Arizona. Yeah. Definitely. And training there, has, do you think it has helped you in your career with just the weather and the climate compared to like if you run in Utah and so forth? Um, it depends. I think it can help you. Obviously, if you're training for bad water or like really hot races, we have access to plenty of heat. Um, but I don't live at a high elevation. Okay. I live at about 1,100 feet. So if I want to train for an altitude race, I need to travel. Um, fortunately, Arizona is so diverse that I can be in Flagstaff in two hours and I can run up to 12,000 feet. If I wow. Um, I also spend a lot of time in Colorado as well. Um, so I don't know if it's like the perfect place to train for ultras. It's, but I haven't really had much hindrance. There's a lot of, if you know where to look, there's a lot of steep and rocky terrain. If you're looking for that, there's also um flat canal paths say if you're going after like a fast 50 mile time somewhere you can also train for that here nice so graduating college uh you're hooked on ultra running what was sort of that next or that that mindset change that hey i i want to do this for a living i, I want to be a runner i want to go in this least sport and, and give it my all and and how did that how did was that conversation with the parental units and uh, how, how's that been going for you since you graduated college? Yeah, I mean, my parents are really supportive of me and my siblings, pretty much whatever we want to do. So that's really great. They're pretty much always there to help lend a hand and support us. Uh, I always wanted to own my own business in some capacity. Um, that's what I saw my family doing. My dad very, and my ancestors, just very entrepreneurial. They moved to Arizona multi-generations ago. So they came here when it was a newly formed state and they had general stores and all kinds of things. My, um, my dad worked in his uh, uncle's uh, grocery store in downtown Glendale, which is the town I grew up in. Okay. Fifties. And then when he, when my dad graduated college, he also opened a college work for himself. 
That's crazy. So that's kind of, and then him and all his brothers are in business together. They have an auto shop. They've got other stuff going on. So that's what I grew up seeing. And that's what I wanted to emulate. Not necessarily, at first I said, I want to be a grocer. And, you know, it just evolved into, I want to own my own business. Uh, I just didn't know what that was. So I just went to school, uh, got a couple degrees, gained some work experience until I basically fell into race directing. I found this new passion of running and was just volunteering at tons of races locally, helping out, pitching in. Uh, and then I was eventually offered to take over a race from someone and, um, even when I took over that race, I wasn't thinking it was going to be a career choice, but it just, it, it soon evolved into that. So let's sort of talk about that and break down the business side of things for you. So you own now a race event management company. Am I correct on that? Yeah. I started Aravipa running in 2008 was the first race I organized and 2009 was when I formed the company. Awesome. And now how many races do you guys do throughout a year? And it's just purely focuses on trail running. Yeah, we do 30 events annually and it's mostly trail running. We have a couple fixed time events. Actually, that very first 24 hour race that I ran, we now organize that race. It's okay. across the years and it's it's held on a completely flat course on a one mile loop. Do you feel that now that you are a, an elite ultra runner, do you sort of have a different insight when putting on races because you know what you would like compared to someone who's not really into running or just sort of runs the event, but is not a runner itself. How has that sort of uh, transformed your company into going to that next level? I think just in general, my experience, you know, I've probably done 80 or so ultra marathons in the past 13 years. So I'm always out there looking at things and seeing what people are doing and, um, trying to improve my events. So I think it definitely helps, uh, when you, when you know it from the other side, you definitely understand what uh, the runners are going through. And I think it helps to organize better events when you're out there yourself and you, you know what it's all about. Nice. What are some key things that you feel that your events do that other events don't do that like sort of draws people, right? Because there's, if you go through, you can find a race every weekend if you wanted to. What draws people to your races? I think it's part of the community that we've built up here in Arizona. Uh, it's really a tight knit group. Um, there's so many people that they just care a lot and we try and care for all of our runners and all of our people really well. So we always get compliments for how great our volunteers are. And there are a lot of the people that run our races. So it, it's a cycle people, they volunteer, they run races and, and that's really great. And we try and, we try and innovate when we can and, and bring, you know, try and bring new technologies into the space, whether that's, you know, pushing the limit on some video stuff or whether it's with our remote timing systems that we've got going now and just trying to do things that other people aren't doing. Awesome. What do you, uh, how's working with sponsors now, uh, being in event management? Is it, um, are you that person that's calling up, you know, um, Solomon or I just did a podcast with uh, Path Projects, a new trail running company also making a break. How is that? Because I know putting on events are expensive and, and sponsors are very, very important. Um, how is that that transition to trying to go to the next level with sponsorships? I mean, it's a it can be a long road. That's what I found anyways. Uh, and maybe I'm just not the best at doing that. Um, but for me, it's all about just building relationships with people, uh, which takes time and, and honestly years to do um, to build those deep relationships. But it's something that 
um, that we try and work on um, for some of our events. And we don't, I don't like to have, you know, huge sponsors for every single race we put on just because we do so many. Mm -hmm. Just, I don't think it's feasible to do that. Um, but our more premier, bigger races, uh, it's great to have that additional support and enthusiasm and excitement uh, and working with other brands that are creative as well. And that's what we like to do. Awesome. What are you working with right now or anyone that you're very excited to be working with or any new partnerships lately that is starting to grow and, and blossom? I mean, uh, we work with Hoka for the Havilene 100, and that's been really great. Um, they brought some really cool ideas to the table uh, and they're, they're just, they get involved. And I really like that. Um, me personally, as an athlete, I'm working with Solomon and that's been fantastic. I can't say enough good things about, about Solomon and what they've done, uh, so far for me just this year as an athlete. Uh, and they're also coming on board to sponsor two of our, three of our races this year. So, um, excited to see where that goes. Nice. Is there, um, and this is where I'm not very aware of when it comes to ultra running cash prizes. I mean, are there professional, I mean, are there professional runners that do this and this is how they make their living wanting to get top three to make um, money on this? Yeah, there, there's definitely some professional runners and I think the prize money is more of a supplement. Okay. Uh, definitely quite a few salaried paid ultra runners now. Um, like Jim Walmsley is probably the, a big example. Timothy Olson. Um, some of the guys are, they still work, but they also get, uh, so they're kind of doing both things to make ends meet, I think. Um, or I think some don't just don't want to step away from their professions. They like what they do. I know like a Tim Tollefson, you know, he's a physical therapist and he loves doing that uh, while he also runs for Hoka. So okay, mix, I mean, he could probably make it work, but he might have to coach or something. So, you know, a lot of guys are there, they get paid by some companies, but then they also do coaching or they do, they might have to pull together multiple brands. And then obviously the prize money is a huge help as well um, to make that happen and, and to make it throughout the year. Nice. Is it hard for you as now a business owner and a professional athlete to, to sort of carve out time for your personal uh, needs and what you want to do as an athlete? And then you got events, you got to run, I mean, you put 30 events on, right? So you're doing almost, almost three a month, right? And then you need time to train. I and mean, how do you find balance as an athlete slash entrepreneur? It's really hard. And a lot of times there isn't a balance. It goes one way or the other. So sometimes I'm in heavy training and I'm, you know, letting mostly my staff run the events and then it'll swing the other way. And I just shut down my training like October through December this last year, I was running 10 miles a week. So wow, I just, I just let it go completely. It was, I was just too stressed with everything going on with the events. And that's kind of a little bit of the curse of being a race director that I've seen in the trail world is you become a race director, you start putting on a number of races and, and you don't run anymore yourself. You think that this is going to be the perfect job. I love running. It's going to be great. And the next thing you know, you're having to answer emails till 10 PM or you're out setting up aid stations until midnight and then you're editing photos or whatever you're doing and you're updating your website and you just have no time. To run anymore um or you're too beat up from setting up and breaking down these races that's crazy uh let's start of talk uh we'll, we'll go back to the business a little bit but um i want to talk about two things one let's talk about your videoing and video editing and i'm starting to see a lot more youtube videos you're putting out there as well 
how did you get into that? And where is that sort of, where is that creativeness stem from? And where is it going to go for you as a, as a business and as just an individual? Yeah, I've always enjoyed filming things. Even when I was younger, I would go on hiking trips with my friends and cliff jumping and I would make a little video edit. So it's kind of something I've always liked doing. I just didn't, I, I guess I was, I don't know if I was pushed in the direction of, you know, business and that kind of track, but um, I maybe I neglected more of my creative side when I was in school. Like I didn't take all the video classes or photography or anything. Mm -hmm. It was like, no, I'm going to do business stuff and they take accounting courses, mm -hmm. economics. And um, I think I've come full circle and like, I really like the creative element of it. And I think I have um, a knack for it. And I've just pursued that more aggressively the last couple of years once, um, you know, a mainstay of the business has been established. Nice. Yeah. Thank goodness for YouTube tutorials on how to do editing stuff. It's been a, a lifesaver for me as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I have no formal training. I just, um, I just do it and I see what I like and I play around with it and I, yeah, I learn things. So, um, and as far as where it's going, I mean, I just do it cause I love it. And, um, I'm not sure. I mean, I just want to keep, I love creating content that people get inspired by and that they can learn something from and it provides some value for them. And I'd like to keep doing that as long as I have time for it. That's awesome. And then you've been, uh, have you been like hired out by either races or runners to sort of create um, content for them as well? Or because I mean, you're of a beast of a runner. So when people are jamming, I know you can stay with them with the camera. Has that been sort of coming up a little bit more now with people sort of trying to design original content? It's a little bit more, yeah. Like Solomon, uh, a few weeks ago, and I was able to do some filming out there for them. Uh, caught Max King making a pass up there, which is pretty fun. And they put that out on their Facebook and it got a ton of views. So that was cool to see. Um, I, there's still, there's so many projects that I'm working on that it's tough. Like, yeah for me to take on a lot of that stuff. Cause I also do so much in-house stuff for our own races that, um, yeah, we're not quite to that level really. Nice. I, you know, and this is sort of transition into your 28 uh, minute film you just dropped on YouTube on your last Barkley marathon. So you are a Barkley marathon runner. You got invited. How many years ago was your very first one? I ran it in 2014 for the first time. Awesome. So break, do me a favor, break down the Barkley Marathon. Like this is this like mysterious event in the running world, right? And and how did you get involved? Was it always been a goal? Like how did you even find that? I don't even know the guy's name, the old man who puts it on. Like it had, it, I heard it's almost like a treasure hunt. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's a race that was designed to be on the limit of possibility to for there to people to finish it. So where they basically designed it so that 1% of the people that try it will finish. That's and crazy. They, they want to keep it right on the edge. So the race evolves as the runners evolve. The runners get stronger a lot of times and they, you know, they talk amongst themselves and they plan and they train harder. The course evolves too. So that's really cool. Um, I heard about the race probably right around the time I got started with ultras in 2005, 2006 read about it online. I just heard about this kind of obscure race where no one could finish it. And I was like, that sounds pretty cool. I'd love to do that someday. Um, and then I eventually found myself at the Hard Rock 100. Uh, I went up not in the race just to 
do some of the course marking and trail work days. And I started meeting a lot of the hard rock guys, like these old timers. And they also, they were talking about the Barkley because they all went to the Barkley. And they oh, okay. In the Barkley. So I was sitting around in this room after one of the trail days and they're all talking about the Barkley. And I'm the only one in the room who'd never been. And I was thinking to myself, you know, someday I'm going to have some stories to share like this. And um, that was probably 2007. And it took me seven years to actually toe the line. So it was a long road. I mean, uh, I, I felt like I had to build up my resume in order to kind of be worthy to apply. I wanted to have a strong resume. So, you know, I hiked the Arizona trail. I ran hard rock a couple times, ran some other really tough races and, um, eventually, you know, made the right connections and I found out how to apply. There's no website. There's no way to just sign up for this race <laughs> to the lottery. You have to, you have to meet people and, uh, that have been there before. And then that information is kind of passed down through the people that have been there. It's kind of a, an extra vetting system. Nice. Uh, so break down the Barkley. It's four laps. Every lap's what, 24 to 30 miles? So it's five laps of oh. a 20 mile course. That's okay. what it is on paper. Uh, but you can't carry a GPS. So there's, we don't really know how long the loop is. So it could be rough estimates, maybe 25 miles long approximate for each lap. So, and uh, you have a total of 60 hours to finish. There's been 15 finishers since the beginning of the race, like th over 30 years ago. And how many loops have you accomplished in all your races? So I've made four attempts. The most I've done is four laps, but I was over the cutoff to continue. So you have to start each new lap every 12 hours. And I was over the 48 hour cutoff to continue. Wow. Was this, has this been one of your hardest races? Uh, yeah. I, it's just crazy. I, you know, I watched that video and just uh, going under the prison and the rain going and you could get washed away and then having to find a book and tearing the page out, putting it in and then continue to run. It, it just seems like the most craziest thing I've ever seen when it comes to athletics. And I don't think people realize how nuts it is. It's nuts. I mean, and the amount of climbing, and the steepness of the grades are, are crazy enough. And then when it's raining and there's mud and it's in the dark and there's fog, it's, it all adds up. Nice. Uh, our goals to go to do it in 2019 again? The goal is to do it until I finish it and, you know, willing that I get in. So I, I don't know, there's no guarantees, but, um, you know, I've gotten in every year for a few years now. So Nice. What was the payment for 2018? I watched the Netflix documentary and one year is a white button up t-shirt. What are some of the random things that you have had to give in or dropped off to, to do this race? Yeah, this year was a certain uh, brand of sock that we had to get him. He's doing the race director is doing a transcontinental run this summer. He's running from the East coast to the West coast. Oh, wow. And so a sock, uh, any other items that you had to give him in the past that you thought was just total random? I might have been socks in the past too. I mean, your first year, you have to bring a license plate from your home state. Oh, okay. All right. That's where I saw that on your video. Um, have you, and you met, seemed like you met a lot of cool people doing it and, and gained some valuable friends and, and uh, other run companions with it. Is it sort of just such a tight knit community that you guys just bond together? It seems like. Yeah. I think when you share that suffering out there, that's the kind of the great thing about ultras in general is you know, you're competing against people, but you're also 
you're all out there and you're all suffering when it gets tough. And so that kind of brings you together. Awesome. And so, and like you said, that's one of your, I mean, your hardest race you've ever done. It seems, seems crazy. Uh, talking about your races from there, um, what other top races have you been that you've accomplished that has sort of put the trophy on the mantle that you're pretty fired up on? Yeah. I mean, hard rock is definitely the top of the list, probably other than Barkley. It's just you know, a race that was always on my calendar and love the area. I've had some, I've had four finishes out there now. So definitely rate those very high. Um, I've been fortunate enough to run a lot of the big races in the U.S. over the years. So Western States and Leadville. Um, I did UTMB, which is Ultra Trail du Mont Blanc over in, in the France area. Okay. Probably one of my favorites internationally is Ronda del Sims, which is around the country of Andorra, which is in between Spain and France in okay. the Pyrenees Mountains. Uh, that was a great run, one of the toughest ones I've done. Awesome. And now with Solomon sort of backing you and being a Solomon athlete, is that sort of taking your running to the next level when it comes to your being a professional athlete and having that support? Definitely makes me feel like I shouldn't slack off and not train for three mm -hmm. months anymore. Um, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's definitely great to have the support. Um, I'm getting some other opportunities to interact. I think you know, I offer more than just being like a, you know, I'm not, I'm not a guy that wins all these races all the time. Uh, I mean, I would love to train back up to the point where I can be. And I hope to do some of that. Um, but like my results as of recently haven't been super great. Um, but I bring a lot to the table in terms of um, video coverage and other other things as well, which I think is probably why they uh, want me involved. So Nice. How's product development with them? Do you get a good say on what shoes coming out and what works, what doesn't work and so forth? Uh, apparel as well. I mean, I'm very new to the Solomon family. So I just started with them uh, the first of the year. Oh, okay. So far um, they did, they, they sent me some pre-release shoes that aren't coming out till the fall, which has been awesome. Um, never had that before. And then one of their designers from France actually designed myself and Guillaume Calmet, who also was running Barkley and is on Solomon, uh, a custom pack and some custom clothes that based upon some of our feedback. So that was really, really cool. We basically told them what we're looking for and they sewed together some packs and sent them our way. And uh, that's what we wore for the race. It was really awesome. And now they're asking for feedback, um, I think for next year. Awesome. Awesome. I don't, know, I don't know if this stuff will end up, you know, ever being developed for the mass market, but um, they're certainly helping us in working towards our goals. Nice. When you're now training and, and when you go into your peak, um, your peak training and, you know, you put, let your company do their thing and you're getting ready for the Barkley or you're getting ready for the hard rock. What is, what does your week look like when it comes to training? My peak week for Barkley, I think I put in about, 35,000 feet of climb and it was upwards of 70 or 80 miles. Um, okay. So, you know, I'm doing, I did one long run that week of, it was pretty much an all day run. I did like 16,000 feet of climb in a single day wow. over, you know, 35 miles. Um, That's crazy. So, and then just other little ones here and there. Uh, I think actually also that week I did a run of like 12,000 feet of climb. So, couple big runs, um, but I'm switching into a different mode going forward. I'm attempting a 200 miler in September. Wow. 
up in Tahoe and that'll be my next big race. And I've never done it. So I'm really probably mostly train like I would for a hundred miler. Um, I don't know. How do you, uh, what do you feel? I mean, running is hard on your body. That's, you know, it, it is, I've, you know what I mean? And I've done very minimal running. You know, the most I've done is a half Ironman um, for training. What else do you do to keep your body healthy um, throughout all these miles and climbing that you're doing? I mean, number one, I listen to my body. I've done a lot of miles over the years. So I think I've kind of built up a lot of my systems to support the running I do now. Uh, but I listen to the body. So if I need to take some days off, I do it. If I need to take... And I try and take time off each year too. So honestly, a month or two off each year is a good thing um, for longevity, most definitely. Um, I'm not, I haven't been huge in like cross training. I don't do any specific cross training, um, but I am, I have kind of sometimes a physical job with the races. So I'm out maybe course marking with a huge pack on where I'm just hiking all day, or um, I'm helping to set up and carry supplies and load trucks and unload trucks. So getting some upper body work out there as well. Nice. What's your uh, go-to for nutrition on your, on the, on the trail for you? Uh, my favorite thing in long races is mashed potato burritos. Mashed potato. All right. Mashed potato burritos. But it, it kind of breaks up. I use the sh sugary gels and stuff sometimes as well, but it, it helps me to break up some of that sugar and sweetness. And gets going. Okay. And then how about uh, hydration wise? What, what, what are you a big fan of? Just plain water or you scratch glass guy? How does that work? I just do plain water. Um, sometimes I'll have some Coca-Cola at an aid station, uh, but mainly just water. I like to balance my electrolytes and my calories independently. Okay. Okay. And then when we were done with the big race, what is the, what's the go-to meal? What's the, when you're done, what's the, I'm going here and I'm going to go eat and I'm not going to stop. Yeah, uh, I definitely like some some non-dairy ice cream when I can get it. Um, trying to think what I had. I think I had like a grilled cheese sandwich after Barkley this year. For some reason, that's what I wanted. I'm that's right. That is the go-to. Are you pretty good with your diet throughout uh, the week when you're just normal training or just working? Are you, do you are you pretty consistent with that? Yeah, I mean, I eat pretty much a plant-based diet and oh, okay. Um, try and cook for myself as much as possible. I know I always feel better and eat better when I do cook my own meals. Um, but sometimes it's not always feasible. I hear you. I hear you definitely on that. So what's sort of next? It's, uh, you know, it's early in 2018. You, you talked about the 200 miler that you're going to do. What else is on the, on the calendar for the year for you and for the business? Yeah, I'm trying. My buddy who organizes the local 50 miler, the Zangre 50 is trying to get me to run that at the end of this month. So I might jump into that. But I'm heading to China for the first time, to mainland China for the first time. I went to Hong Kong before, but I'm doing a, a mountain race up there, 65 kilometer ultra dragon, it's called. It goes up to 14,600 feet, wow. glaciers, big mountains, um, southern China. So that's May 12th. It's coming up uh, pretty quick, about six weeks. And that'll be my next one. Uh, as far as the business goes, uh, we are... We're just rocking and rolling right now. Uh, we're kind of almost at the end of our, uh, you know, winter season down here in Phoenix, which is our prime running season. Uh, after that, we'll move to either night races in Phoenix, or we start heading out of town to higher elevations where it's cooler. Oh, awesome. So awesome. Got, um, a race in Prescott, Arizona, that's beautiful coming up in a couple weeks. And then um, sounds like we're taking over a race up in Utah 
this summer. So that'll be our first event that we're going to organize in Utah. Nice. How many employees do you have for your company right now? I forgot to ask you that. We have, there's like six full-time employees and oh, okay. we have a lot of part-time event staff that help, you know, comes in for the races. And there's uh, a total of 28 of us that are on payroll. Oh, wow. Okay. Was that sort of crazy when you started this company? Now you're like, okay, we're dealing with payroll, dealing with health benefits. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Not that, always uh, fun, you know? <laughs> but, I hear you. I hear you. Well, let me just take this second, man. Uh, you are a beast. And uh, thank you so much for being on the AfterVenture podcast. I mean, watching, I, you know, someone told me about the Barkley Marathon. So I, I you know, binge watched the, uh, the, the Netflix. Um, and then I've seen people on it. I followed you, um, you know, through just, you know, learning about ultra running and everything on the Instagram. And then just seeing that drop uh, your, your 28 minute video. Uh, Gina Crosswhite is uh, a runner from up in Washington and she got me hooked onto you. And anyways, uh, she told me about the video that dropped on YouTube and I watched it and I was glued to it for like 28 minutes. I might've fanboy and watched it once or twice. Um, but it was amazing. And what you do is just, it's crazy. And, and taking running and your passion and moving it into a business now, um, is awesome. And I think everyone wishes they can do that. So congratulations to you. Thank you. Um, and thank you once again for being on the AfterVenture podcast. We'll be blasting this out all over social media. If people want to get a hold of you or follow you, how do they do that? Yeah, at Jamil Curry. Uh, you can find me on pretty much all the social media handles there. Uh, and my main YouTube channel is Run Steep, Get High. That's where I post a lot of my training runs and race videos and, and all that good stuff. Awesome. Well, thank you again for being on the AfterVenture podcast and I wish you the best of luck. Good luck in China. I hope you finish all five laps in the Barkley. I'll be rooting you on every single year you're doing that and we're excited for you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. There you have it. Season two, episode seven in the books. Thanks so much for listening. Follow Jamil Curry. Check out his craziness. Um, his content he's putting up on YouTube is amazing. Follow him, check out all of his social media handles. This guy is a true beast, both just on two legs running and as being an entrepreneur. Thanks again for listening to the AfterVenture podcast. Make sure you share it with all your friends. Give us a little shout out on social media. Also, don't forget to go on iTunes and give us that five-star ranking. I truly do appreciate it. Until next time, peace.